Welcome in, Playoff Edition, Texan All Access. I'm Indy Kalu. He's Drew Doherty. And the man to my right needs no introduction. You might know him as Travis Johnson. His homeboys call him Trap J. His real homeboys from his gang neighborhood, Sienna, call him <laughs> Trap Jizay. That's what I call my guy to my to my right. But Travis Johnson, former first-round draft pick in the NFL, NFL vet sitting in for this Special edition of Texans All Access. Welcome to the studio, bro. What's happening, fellas? How y'all doing? You know, we're doing great, and I know the listeners are doing great. I, I, let's jump right into it. Round two of the playoffs. Our former teammate let's go. <laughs> is leading the charge. Did you expect our boy D'Amico Ryans had this type of impact this early with the organization? I knew he'd have this. I, I would say I knew he'd have, he would have a... The impact would reverberate through all of the NFL. I think when you get a guy of his sta- of his character, of his stature, of of who he is, you know, like D'Amico, you know, everybody said Tomlin. Uh, one of Mike Tomlin's always saying the standard is the standard. Well, that, that like if you look that up, I think a picture of D'Amico will be there. And when you see what he's always done, you see what he's about. He's always been. A God-fearing man, a family man, a dude of integrity, a guy you could always trust to have your back, and a guy to get in that foxhole with you. You know, uh, you know, I, I laugh because everybody's like, "Man, D'Amico, you know, was it?" I'm like, "Dude, D'Amico's a second-round pick, maybe because he didn't necessarily test well when it came to running forties, doing drills, and all this other stuff. But everything that couldn't be measured at the combine, he had. You know what I'm saying? You can't measure a dog. You can't measure heart. You can't measure leadership." You can't measure any of that, and everything those non those those non testables that they do at the combine, mm-hmm. he's always had. And I think the same thing goes for the way he coaches. Uh, when you see the way the guys follow him, you see like teams are always a direct reflection of, of of leadership. And when you see these guys, the way they go about their business, the way they handle the games, the way they have a good time doing it, and the way they just. You couldn't be prouder, bro. Like I literally, like I, like I text Miko after the game, and just told him, like you know, I, I, and half the time I always tell him, hey man, don't even text me back because I know you're busy. I just, I don't even want to have a back and forth because you know, Trap Jay can talk. You <laughs> know what I'm saying? But at the same time, like I literally let him, like dude, I, I literally almost start, like I, like a tear was rolling down my eye. Like I'm sitting there, like dude, because I'm so proud of my friend and my brother that you seeing, like the possibilities. You know what I'm saying? And like last year we won two games. This year we come back, win ten games, win and, and win a division. Now we should win. We got to. We gonna probably win this next game. End up in the AFC Championship, places that this this franchise has never been. You know what I'm saying? And and he is, he is everything. Like it, it is, it is. I'm, I cannot be prouder, man, to call him my brother, my friend, my former teammate. You know what I'm saying? I, I can I can ne- never be prouder of him. And I and I, I think we knew his impact would be great. I think, but. Nobody outside this building can really say that they saw all of this coming. You know what I'm saying? I think the guys in the lock. Like, think about it. We didn't really have, outside of the draft picks, we didn't really have a lot of turnover on on on, on the roster like that. You know what I'm saying? Like, you bought in a few guys. You know what I'm saying? A, a few little a few little glue pieces. You know what I'm saying? But then they took a lot of the same roster nobody else wanted. Right. Everybody told everybody this was the worst job to get. You don't want the Texans job, yeah, because they got the second pick. They don't have the first pick. Ain't that what they told you? You don't want the Texans job. The defense was terrible. They uh they didn't rush the passer. They couldn't cover. Stingley's hurt. Petrie's okay. The offensive line is suspect. 
everybody. So it's just like you bought in the right guy to get the right juice and get the right energy out of these guys and look at the product. And I think it's, it's you know, D'Amico's, he's rare in who he is and, and, and the type of guy he is. But at the same time, there's other dudes who played this game at the level he's played this game and has the same type of integrity, character, and all of that stuff that also need opportunity. I think the biggest thing for him that I think he's shown is there's other guys that need the same opportunity I got because with this opportunity, look what I did. And right now, the changing of the guard is happening on every level. In college football, in the NFL, you're seeing some of the older guys. When well, you see Pete Carroll, you see uh, you, you see Nick Saban, you see all these guys ready leaving the game. There's, Nick Saban's been around. He's 72 years old. He's been around 40-something years, almost 50 years. You know what I'm saying? When you see the changing of the guard the way it is, I hope that the I hope NCAA and I hope NFL infuses real new blood. Not not kicking the tires and changing it, rotating the tires like they always normally do. Getting real new blood in here because look what this has done for the game of football. All right, I got a question for the both of you. That's Travis Johnson. You're ND Kalu. You just brought up D'Amico Ryans, and this everything you just said tracks. I got to give you your props because the day he was hired, the day that he was introduced as as the head coach, you were very upfront about this is going to be a really good football team. No question. Sooner than you all think. I mean, and we're seeing this. And it's even exceeded, as you say, your expectations. Last week, D'Amico was asked in a press conference about his coaching style, and he said, I, I'm positive. I hold guys accountable. But nobody needs to be screamed and yelled at and demeaned. And that's starting with me all through the rest of my staff. Now, as two guys who have about two decades of NFL experience playing in the toughest positions on the field, on the defensive line, what's that mean when you hear a guy? Because you all were coached differently and you had lots of different coaches. But when you hear that and you see how it's kind of coming into to fruition with the, the success of this team this year, what's that mean to you? And how much do you think you could have been better as a player if you'd have had a coach like D'Amico? Well, with a guy like that, as long as he's being true and to And I know himself, that, that we could go four hours with that. <laughs> yeah, yeah that but question. with a guy like D'Amico, you know who he is, that's who he is. He's being true to himself. Like, I didn't mind a coach uh, dog cussing me out if right. I did something wrong. I didn't mind them. As long as they do it, they, they don't disrespect you as a person. It was, like, he's and, not and, doing and, it gratuitously. As long as, long yeah. as you, uh, I, like I say, if you go MF me, be an equal opportunity MF. Right, You know right. what I'm saying? Like, Give it to everybody the same way you gave it to me. Oh, I've had some of my favorite coaches were those guys. But if you're like uh, Richard Smith, one of the worst coaches in the history of the NFL, I don't even know how he was. Uh, you, you guys know, both in the played NFL. for him here, yeah. But he wasn't. He wasn't a real person. You, you know, even when he cursed, it felt like it was forced. It was, it was all. It was all fake. And yeah. then, and then we, and then when you talk to him outside of it, it's it wasn't the same guy. Like, and I can I understand like some guys. Yeah, you might switch a rule every now and then as far as, you know, when your wife comes around. Like Mickey Andrews, I play for Mickey Andrews. Mickey Andrews would talk about you like an absolute <laughs> dog. I mean, he addressed you down in front of everybody. But as soon as Miss Diane came around, it was like, hey, Trav, how you doing? Uh, how, how's your mother? How's this? You know what I'm saying? Like, he was always – so we knew that's who he was. And everybody who's played from him from – Monk Bonasaur to Prime to the guy who to the last team that was there. 
they all give you the same story about Mickey Andrews. You know what I'm saying? He cursed me out one minute. And for those that don't know, Mickey Andrews coached at Florida yeah, State. Yeah, at Florida State. He was okay. our defense coordinator at Florida right. State. A long time. He chewed tobacco and chewed gum like it was like it, like it owed him some money. <laughs> and, and I love that. I love that vision. You know, uh, like and he just like, but he was one way, and we always knew he was that way. But go ahead, finish this thought too. Oh no, the, the only thought was with D'Amico. Even just watching it on television, you can tell it's real. And yeah. Every player that we've had on our podcast, you, you know, when they talk about him, they pretty much say the same thing. So regardless of whether he's – and you know he's not going to curse out. I mean, when sure. he was the leader of our defense, he wasn't, you know, cursing, but he was very intense as a player. So you just know that's who he is. When you see that big smile after a big play on the sideline, when you see him get a little – you know, you, you almost see him playing the game yeah. mentally on the oh, sideline. Oh, he's definitely playing the And game. I think the players appreciate and, that. And, you know, I think you appreciate – because here's one thing that the league is always – so funny bunny about that and the way they act is that these coaches forget and a lot of organizations these coaches forget we're co-workers come on like we're, we're like you're not my you, you you're not my uh i'm not your subordinate you're not you like you ain't my boss there's only one boss in the building that's cal and and at the time bob mcnair he runs everything so in the day is is that there's only one boss in this building and their last name is mcnair after that it comes, it, it, it's a trick. Like, we all, everybody cuts, our check get cut by the same person. You see what I'm saying? And a lot of times you got inside of uh, inside of a building, you know, around the league where coaches feel like they're going to talk down or they're going to be demeaning. But I think one one thing that you can never, you can never, like, shortchange is that learning the game from behind the mask the same way D'Amico has learned the game, He's no, he knows because he's, Listen, we play. He, me, and him both play for Joe Collins, and Joe Collins a curse shot. Joe Collins, his linebacker coach at, at, at Alabama. He was our linebacker coach at Florida State when I was there, and he'll tell you the same thing. Jake Joe was a little different, but I know if I can have a conversation with this guy and ask the question, okay, why did you like one thing about being pros? Like when we come to the sideline and they show us those pictures. There's a few coaches that start cursing you out, but a lot the good coaches, okay, say what did you see? What happened here? And let you break it down to them, and then in turn they'll break it back down to you and say, "Oh no, next time look at it this way. Next time look at it this way." And guys in that building respect the fact that if he asks me a question, I give him my answer. He say, "You know what? I can see that." You know what I'm saying? But at the same time, say maybe next time look at it this way, or maybe like like let's look at uh, what's my guy uh, 48 that got the interceptions? Christian, uh, uh, Christian Harris. Yeah. Christian Harris. And what did Amigo talk about? The first game they played each other, they went over this play, went over this play, went over this play, right? And yet, when it came time, Christian didn't react the same way to that same set, that same that same route tree, the same progression, right? Well, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice. I, and what, what George Bush said, I know they have a tail. They ain't, ain't going to fool, me, fool twice. me twice. Yeah. How, cool, how, cool was, how cool was that <laughs> shot of the replay where he's – Christian Harris is on the balls of his feet and he's a statue. Yeah. As the ball is getting thrown, and then comes out of his hand, break, boom, touchdown. Because he knew the play is is how awesome was that? Preparation, preparation, yeah. preparation. And it's like when your coach is a linebacker, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. He's gonna tell you like, listen, this is where they're gonna come out in. And when they give it to you, trust the film, trust the film, trust your studies, trust the practice. Take the drill to the field. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And that's what we saw. And we and it paid dividends, man. I just 
Dude, when I tell you, it it gave me goosebumps, man. I'm li- like right now, man. I cut glass right now, and it's not even cold in this building. Hey, I got a, I got another, I got another goosebump thing for you. Think about it. We were talking about this right, right as you got in the studio. When has a Texans team ever entered the playoffs this hot? Never. Exactly. They're hot right now. The Buccaneers, hot team right now, different team. Yep. But how excited does that make you? I want both of y'all's thoughts. I'll start with you, Andy. You know, it's exciting because you're going into this game against Baltimore in Baltimore with the thought, like, they can really win. Like, I understand Lamar Jackson I, I, I is Lamar will. Jackson. Listen, but and C.J. Stroud is C.J. Stroud. <laughs> and that's it. Yeah, I mean, with D'Amico Ryan's being D'Amico with C.J., then the D'Amico effect, you have other guys who are just pieces, but they're playing. Blake Cashman is playing at a Pro Bowl level. You know what I'm saying? Man, Christian that, Harris now is playing at a Pro Bowl level. So, with what D'Amico – has done and the confidence he's instilled in this Derek team. Stingley. Uh, Derek Stingley. Derek uh, Stingley. Will Anderson off yeah. one leg. I mean, what he's doing. Derek Barnett. Derek Barnett the Philadelphia yeah. Eagles said, hey, Barnett, thanks for no things. We, we don't need you. And he said, okay, let me go ahead and get three sacks in the last three games Thank for you. the Philadelphia, I mean, for the Houston Texans. So they're going into this game not just hot. If for some reason things don't go the Texans' way, we're all going to pat everybody on the back and say, hey, good season. But now they've raised the bar to where I'm actually expecting them to win. I'm expecting them to win. I'm expecting them to go. I take D'Amico Ryan's over everything in Baltimore. I take C.J. Stroud. I look back. Is <laughs> You remember Miko's rookie year where Miko didn't make the Pro Bowl his rookie year. They sent, they sent uh, Ray that year. And Miko beat Ray in every category, I think, except for interceptions, maybe. You know what I'm saying? Beat him in tackles. This young rookie, fresh out of college, second-round pick, was out here hitting people in the mouth. And the same way he stepped on the scene now, this young rookie head coach coming out here, hey, full full of vinegar and, and whatever else you want, and hitting people in the mouth and got these guys ready. And listen, C.J. Stroud, dude, I, I love this kid, man. Typical California kid, Rancho Cucamonga guy. You know, I just. Well, that's your neck of the woods. Nah, so, where, I mean, so where's he from? No, no, I mean, no, the, the state. state. Yeah, he's from Orange County. But, I mean, I always, you know, I always believe in California quarterbacks. You know what I'm saying? But at the same time, I just, I love, like, this dude's a killer. Like, if you, if you, there was a pass that he made in that, uh, in, in the last game. And he looked to the sideline. And I, I think the camera, like, zoomed past his face. And everybody's, like, geek, but the look, the, the intensity in his eyes. Like, I'm like, you you remember in, uh, in what's the movie with, with with Thor? But he was he was the military guy when they first, after, you know what I mean, uh, they first went in. What? The, at, you remember? <laughs> Thor? The, the guy who played Chris Hemingsworth. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And they were uh, the first 12 guys on the ground in Afghanistan. Oh, and yeah, 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 yeah. You remember... Uh, and the guy who was talking to, he's like, he's like, man, you you aren't a killer. He said, killer eyes, killer eyes, killer eyes. You know what I mean? He was going through. Hold on, now you got me wanting to watch that movie. So when yeah, you I know what you're talking about. They, they went into Afghanistan yeah. on the horses. It was, on the horses, yeah. It was like and U.S. Special Forces. The U.S. Special yeah. Forces, right? So they mm-hmm. sent them in first. And there was a rookie There was a rookie leader of their company, mm-hmm. right, who was Chris Hemingsworth. Mm-hmm. And they were like, and the guy was like, he was he didn't want to deal with him. He wanted to deal with his older, with his older sergeant. And he's like, because he's thinking the sergeant is the, the leader of the group. Because he's like, this dude's a ki- I can see it in his eyes. He's a killer. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? Is and this CJ, guy, and, 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 CJ's and, that killer? No question. Like, it's funny you say, Brevin Jordan has said that a few times. He said, I'm from, I'm, Brevin's from Las Vegas. 
He goes, but he's a West Coast killer. Yeah. I, like literally, you sound just like what he's saying. Yeah, and, I, and and when you look and when you look when you look at him, like I, I swear, like there was a time where the and it, for me, everything was silent, and I was just looking at him because I wanted to see his reaction to it. And the camera like hit his face right away, and it was like. I don't think people realize it was a goon on the field. So, so to put it in context, so people, who else have you played with or played against where you're like, regardless of position, he had that same look? I mean, who goes? Uh, D'Amico. Uh, Andre. Andre. Uh, uh, I mean, we. I could go to LaDainian Thomason mm. when he was in his bag. You know what I mean? Uh, he said, you've said once, ND, that when Tom Brady – was playing quarterback. It's like he was looking through me. Yeah, it wasn't yeah. even a killer thing. It was right. more just a confident. He's a California player. Uh, knows that he's the best. Yeah. Like there was one time we played Tom Brady, and I kind of see that as CJ, just very calm, collective. Mm -hmm. And you know, we're over here getting geeked on defense and trying to stay hype. And, and Tom just had both of his hands in the little hand cooler, and it, he was just kind of like strolling to the huddle. Like he would look at the defense and look Col through you, like Col I mentioned, and then just. Go pick you apart, right? Kobe you know, Bryant was Kobe like, yeah, yeah Kobe. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like them, them, them type. He's and it's and it's crazy to put him in in those type of categories along with those. But as far as like, I think the sky's the limits for this. Kid. Oh, absolutely. And I think that that we were so blessed to be able to get this kid with the second pick, and then turn around and get us a star work on the defense with the third pick, because those two picks right there. You know, I remember when we were celebrating at, at the draft party yep. and me and Dre, we looked like this is going to change everything. Mm -hmm. Because now it's not, it's not that we we got some, like we got somebody on both sides of the ball. It wasn't like pillars. It, exactly. It wasn't like let's draft a quarterback. Captains, captains and then, voted by their teammates. Yeah, exactly. Because That's rare, man. Very rare. Just to be a captain. It's rare to even. How rare is and it to be a rookie. a rookie captain? Two rookies. You guys can talk better. Like, that doesn't happen. Miko, but. It, it speaks volumes because when you look at the evaluation process, you know what I'm saying? And for Miko, who was our captain his rookie year, you know what I'm saying? For the same thing, he's looking for traits in himself and guys that he's he wants to bring on his mm -hmm. team. And if you don't have it, then I can't do nothing with you. I, I don't I don't need you to have all my traits. Right. But I need you to look I need you to look something like what I think leadership looks like. And that's and and, and listen, and when you start with no matter what people say on the defense, you had a linebacker is the guy, but you need a pass rusher. Pass rusher will always be the the the, the dog dog. You know what I'm saying? He's gonna be he's gonna be the guy. That, he's gonna be the guy that drives the engine. The linebacker's gonna be the guy that, that that steers that steers and makes sure you keep it in the right direction. The quarterback, he's gonna lead everything. Mm -hmm. And I think we found we found guys that literally for the next decade will be fine. You, you know what? When you look at the three levels of the defense. And I don't want to disrespect anybody by not naming names, but when you talk about the front seven, you got your guy Will Anderson. Yeah. You, you know, and depending on what they do with Jonathan Grenard. Then you got Christian Harris, who's getting better every single season. And then you have Petrie and Stingley. You know, so you have a bunch of young talent on every level of the defense where now it's fun. You just get to continue to add and, pieces to and, it. And think about how awesome it's going to be. Like, these guys are these guys are first and second yeah. year guys. You know what I'm saying? With a couple old guys mixed in, you know, the Sheldon Rankins, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, you got a couple old guys in there mixed in. Mm -hmm. But these guys are young dudes, so now we're gonna we're we're gonna be able to watch these guys grow together yep. and see what they become. It almost reminds you of like uh, uh when when uh Oklahoma when Oklahoma when the Thunder 
Mm-hmm. Had all those young guys when they had a young Kevin Durant. They had a young James, uh, Harden. James Harden. They had a young Russell, well, Westbrook. Russell Westbrook. They had like they had a young. Uh, like, See, but now you got to keep unlike Oklahoma, now, you got to keep, keep them keep together. together. So. Right. But, that, but that, that's the hardest part. That's the hardest like part. that, that'll be our hardest part when it comes time. And that, to be honest, it's a good problem to have here. But it was football where you can be a little more encouraged. Every position we're talking about is so different. It's yes. not like you have. Um, two guys at the same position or the same position group that you're trying to give them max contracts to. You know, you you yeah. got Will Anderson, then you have uh, Derek Stingley, then obviously you have C.J. Stroud. So you can spread the wealth to keep those guys. Yeah, you, you can. I think the hardest part is going to be, you know, I've always believed, and maybe I'm wrong because I'm not a cap guy, but I always felt it was hard to have two hundred million dollar guys on the same team and, and actually be able to build the rest of the team. See what I'm saying? Well, How about this, though? How about this? So for the longest time we heard, Houston was at a disadvantage because free agents would not want to come here. I don't so, know why they wouldn't want to come here. This right. Is so city. look at what Nick Casario and these guys did last year, not on the first day, not on the second day of free agency, but a couple weeks in. You get Devin Singletary at running back. You yeah. get Dalton Schultz at tight end. Look what he's done. Oh, man, you get Dalton Sheldon man. Rankins, man, on the inside. Look no at what question. he's done. All these guys – over the last few years, Stephen Nelson was a few years ago. Jimmy Ward was last year. When Jimmy Ward was healthy, this team was oh, yeah, no was Denzel Perryman. So with all that in mind, and now you see what C.J. Stroud has done, and you see what Will Anderson is doing. <clears throat> Excuse me. You see who the, the head coach is. If you're a free agent, and then knowing that there's no state income tax, is this one of the most – it's clearly one of the most – you know, attractive things places are to come. exciting now, but that that was a, a lazy sports radio take. Like right. I was in sports oh, radio, I was in sports radio for a long time. Played thank, the game for you, a long for time. Yeah, but see, but David Anderson, who played with you guys, said you had to play pay a tax as the Texans to get free agents to come here. See, I don't know. You like when you're a free agent, obviously you want to, and it depends where you are in your career. Right, right. See, right. everyone's different. They want us to have this monolithic approach, thinking all players are the same. So I'm glad you brought up David Anderson, though I disagree with whatever that take is. But if you're a guy that's already won on on the biggest stage, then you're thinking about money and the system that you're in to make sure the system fits your talents and what you do and obviously where you live. Now, if you're a guy that hasn't had his big contract, like when I was a free agent – and, you know, my story is different than Travis's. I was a fifth-round pick, and, you know, my first four years, I was just trying to make the team improve myself. So just to be real and transparent, when my agent would talk to me about different teams, I'm like, how much? <laughs> like, I, sure, I need yeah. that money first, and then we'll talk about, uh, you know, the situation that fits. So, But if the, the money's equal, this but, is a really attractive place. But even before, it's been a really attractive place because it's Houston. Yeah, like, you, you, like you, guys, you oh. and don't be single. <laughs> like, oh, bro, man. Like guys want to live in H-Town. <laughs> do, so. do you understand? I just picked the mic up. Do you understand? For all of you out there in TV land. <laughs> Back the mic away just a little bit. So <laughs> for don't all go too of you hot. out there in TV land. Do you understand what Houston, it, like no matter like from 2002 to right now, when you think about the city of Houston, there's nothing you can't do here. The the, the it's Baskin Robbins for uh, for for women if you like women. It's Baskin Robbins for men if you like men. It is Baskin Robbins for food culture if you like food culture. It is everything you wanted to be. You can get anywhere in this country in three and a half to four hours. We sit right in the middle. There's no like, it, it, we get a cold spell every January slash February. Go a lot of international places, yeah, in three but you and can half go anywhere. Too. Yeah, 
We got our, we got we, we got Continental Hub right down the street. You know what I'm saying? We it, it is literally the greatest place you could possibly go. Like I don't want to get dra- like looking at now. I don't want to go to Los Angeles to be a free agent and pay thirty percent in taxes. You know what I'm saying? I don't want to go to Florida and free agency and and yeah, maybe Miami is cool, but you're still paying absorbent prices to live in Miami. You know what I'm saying? And you're really not living in Miami. Then you want to like where else you gonna go? That that's it. You want to go to San Francisco? And you pay $2 million for a patio home? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Do you want to come to Houston? And this season's not even over yet. But, I mean, how awesome is March going to be just with the free agency? I'm in, in the words of Suge Knight, you know what I'm saying? If you don't want all your coaches, all of your contracts, <laughs> if you don't want a dead city, if you don't want – Suge Knight said these things? I'm mean, paraphrasing. paraphrasing. You know yeah, they come to death row. They come to Houston. You know yeah. Like if you want, if you want to make the most out of your career, come to Houston, man. Like I really believe, like as far as from top to bottom, like I played other places, of course, and like the place, this place welcomed me back with open arms, man. And I live here on a daily basis, <clears throat> and I am, like I love this franchise, man. I love these people. I love the ownership, the coaches in the building. The front office people in the building, everybody, from, even Marv, the, the dang, the, who Marv was our, the mailman when I got here. You know what I'm saying? Oh yeah, and, Marvin, yeah, Marvin. And Marvin, awesome. and he's still here. You Marvin's know what a mean? constant, yeah. He's a, he's a stalwart in the building. I think they should give him a statue out front. You <laughs> know what I mean? Like, I really like, I love this franchise and everything about it, man. And and like, I can tell you, man, like they don't spare any expense when it comes to taking care of players. When it comes to making sure you have the things you need to be successful. And I I, I I wish I was born in the 90s or the 2000s to be allowed to come here now. You, you said something that I want to talk about, and it's more league-wide, because I'm very curious of what's going to happen, uh, you, you know, as these other teams try to fill their head coaching vacancies. With what D'Amico's doing, with what Dan Campbell's doing in Detroit, just so we don't make it a race thing, I think a lot more of uh, owners are going to be like, you know what, these former players, <laughs> they, they really know how to relate to players. And I think Dan Campbell started it. I mean, when and it's funny, and I, I want to get your take on this, and for those who don't know, Dan Campbell, the head coach for the uh, Detroit Lions, played for the Miami Dolphins, played at Texas A&M. I don't know if you remember, there was a press conference when things weren't going so well, and it bothered him to where he was crying. Yeah. And people were like, uh, you, you know, kind of making fun of him. But me, I was like, you know what? I feel his pain. Like, I cares. know. Yeah, and, and I think his players are rallying around Dan Campbell, and that's why Detroit's having the success. We see the success Houston's having with D'Amico. I'm just curious to see. If, and Aaron Glenn is D.C. He's probably going to get deserves yeah, he, to get a job. Should have had a job is earlier. former players. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I'm wondering if, uh, if owners of <laughs> other teams are going to say, you know what, because this is a copycat league. It's time for us to uh, copy what's going on in Houston, Detroit. I want to get your take on that on the other side. Texans All-Access, second-round playoff edition right here. Welcome in. Welcome back. Texan All-Access special edition as the Houston Texans getting ready for the Baltimore Ravens. Round two of the NFL playoffs. So you know when it's special, we got to have Trap J, a.k.a. Travis Johnson, in studio. Before the break, I asked you about 
the other teams in the NFL, do you see, do you envision them looking at the success of Houston with a former, a young former player, looking at the success of Detroit with a young former player? Do, do you see other teams saying, you know what, this might be the route we need to go? No, I, I think, of course, I think, and not just on the coaching aspect, when you look at a guy like John Lynch, who was infused into the front office as a former player who necessarily didn't have any experience before him, you know, uh, it was it was automatic. He said, you know what, let's give him an opportunity. And he showed you he can be great Absolutely. at that opportunity. I think it's a lot of guys who are great talent evaluators as far as former players. You know, I, I, I laugh because, you know, I go to Dre House a lot. You know what I mean? And, Andre Johnson. And uh, and when he was breaking down, like he used to break down wide receiver and stuff when, when Bill was here. You know what I mean? And one day I was just – it was on his it was on his desk and I just started looking through a couple of his evaluations of some people that he had, you know what I mean? And they were like four of the guys that he put evaluations on that weren't first round picks or all pro. Wow. You know what I'm saying? And his and his evaluations was like do, 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 do. like it was just down the line, like, you hold on, you saw all of this? He's like, Oh, no question. Hmm. And then he and he sits there and he and he tells me why he saw it. You see what I'm saying? And then I look at you know, right now, you saw Eric Henderson from the Rams be named the D.C. In, uh, at USC, the D-line coach. It's a D-line guy, played at Oklahoma State, didn't really have a lot of uh, – didn't have a lot of league experience, but he played. You know, and now you're getting a, re- you're getting a, a transfusion of new blood into the game. But I think a lot more teams go to that because for so long, they haven't allowed former players in the building because they say there's, there's too much influence on the current players. Mm. That's the reason why those guys can't get college jobs. You know what I'm saying? Not because they can't do the job, but because the coach who didn't play or the coach who feels threatened by their leadership. Yeah, it's insecurities. It's insecurities. It's saying, yeah. he's going to take over my team and the guys aren't going to listen to me. But no, it's not about that. I'm trying to just give you these kids my knowledge. I'm trying to pour into them what wasn't poured into me or that even was. You know what I'm saying? Like, I look at it, I was fortunate to have you, Robert. Gary Walker, like uh, Seth, like I was fortunate to have good veterans in my life when I came into the league my first couple years. You know what I'm saying? And I'm trying to, and you know, you you talk about other like same thing with certain some of these guys that go into coaching, they want to pour in that same stuff that they had to some of these younger guys to get them to not make the same mistakes either off the field or on the field, and say this is how we prepare, this is how we go about our business, this is how we become a pro. You know what I mean? And you know, I, I, I even laugh because you look at Prime the other day, right? You look at Deion talking about, man, I'm waiting on a, a, a defense coordinator to come from the league. Listen, for one, Prime, hold your horses. Nobody's come from the league to come to Colorado because if the same thing happens, you know, next year to happen this year, you ain't going to be there long. But you look at a guy like who's actually at our game this, 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 this past week, Terrell Buckley. Mm-hmm. T. Buck was at the game this past weekend. T. Buck is a defense coordinator. T. Buck is on the streets. He was just the head coach of the XFL team that they didn't keep. You know what I'm saying? But at the same time, why don't you – this guy knows the game. Call him. And it's just a matter of sometimes pride lets guys get – and see, that's why I think it's so big for Dan Campbell as well. Because Dan is like – it's guys I didn't play with, guys I did did play with, that he put on the staff. But he knows these guys know ball, and they played – at the highest level, and everything that they bring to this team is going to be magnificent. You know what I'm saying? In in all aspects of it. And you watched it. We watched it on Hard Knocks, and everybody's like, they look at the dynamic of that team, but you watch it in the production of this team. You watch him, like they talked about the other day, 
what he's gotten out of Jared Goff. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And Jared Goff couldn't have been – they couldn't – a regular coach off the street that learned in the classroom couldn't have got that out of Jared Goff. You see what I'm saying? Because now Jared Goff trusts this guy because guess what? One thing he's not going to do is lie to me. You know what I'm saying? He's going to give it to me real and raw as he can. I might not like it, but I will respect it. You see what I'm saying? And I think that's where a lot of guys need to lean on the former players and say, you know what? If they can teach, we got a job for you. If they can relate, we got a job for you. If you want an opportunity, we got a job for you. Because too many guys that just played this game, there's only there's 30,000 of us that ever played this game. There's 18,000 of us living. You know what I'm saying? And, I mean, there's probably only a handful of guys that can actually coach the game. You know what I'm saying? Or more than a handful. But there's guys that really are the next generation, but they have to be given an opportunity. You just sparked about 30 different questions from what you just said. Uh, a lot uh, of tangents. ADD. In a good way. No, in a good way. First thing was, okay, from about middle of the second quarter on, what was it like for you guys last weekend being in the building, being in here and seeing – this atmosphere because there were some different things that went down. You had the "Don't Stop Believing" with the lights. You had uh, the songs being played and the crowd going bananas. Start with you. What was that like? And after I hear that, I want to go back to what Dre was saying as far as evaluations, and I want to hear what he was saying about CJ Stroud. But yeah. just atmosphere alone. Well, that's what easy. was that like? Because you guys played here and y'all played in some big games here. Played here, been to games here, covered games here. It was the loudest and most energetic that I've ever felt it. And yes, I was here for Cincinnati yeah. when JJ took one to the house. Like it, that, but I haven't experienced anything like that uh, in my entire time as a player or covering the the game right here at NRG. Like I can't even go into it more. Like to me, that says it all. I think when the game, it like the place was rocking. Like when I tell you, there's nothing that we've ever heard. Here, like, before, like, outside of, let's say, you know, we go back and say some of the loudest moments in team history, right? We say Cincinnati, J.J. returned that that interception. I think, was it, uh, I think game against Buffalo one time, that was, that was it got loud in there. I think it was, maybe it was the playoff game. Was that a playoff game? I think it might have been, right? Uh, of course, on the other end of it was, um, was was Vince Young returning? It was Vince Young. It, it was loud for Come the moment. I remember reason. that. Yeah. Don't bring that up. No, <laughs> I'm not, that's not what I mean. But no, I'm just saying. Like, but as far as I like, know, I know, I know. but as far as like electric, like this is the first time I've heard <laughs> our crowd be in it, stay in it, and never leave. Not even. Why would you well, want to? Like they wanted to experience. They want to soak up every bit of it. Yeah. And I've never heard this place erupt the way this place erupt. With back to back pick sixes, mm. like it, it Those got bananas. Like, I wish the roof. Was, I'm so glad the roof was closed, but I wish it was open so it literally people down the street on Main <laughs> at the, the Target, woodlands, the woodlands, the they woodlands would have heard <laughs> yeah. like what just yeah. happened over here. Like it was, it was electric, and it was, it was. I mean, it's mind boggling, man. And I, I really, I was super excited about it. Uh, when you talk about yeah, so you said okay, you. Earlier, you were mentioning Andre Johnson, and you saw some of his evaluations of some of these receivers. And these these are guys that didn't go in the first round, but now they're all pros, or they have been named all pros. What do you? What's the first memory of Andre, given his impressions of C.J. Stroud, and who he? I, I know he's not a receiver, but yeah. I'm saying he certainly well, well, must have I, made an, a big dent on Andre's I, mind. I, I I remember when the first time, like so, getting ready for the draft. Mm-hmm. And we sat around. We talked about the two guys that were that potentially could come here. 
And he was like, man, give me CJ Stroud. I'm like, all right, why? You know what I mean? Like, because me, I, I, don't think, I don't think that's a knock on. No, 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 no. Either, but no, yeah. but I'm like, you know, why? Like, what? Like, but it really was why of because I just want to hear. I like when I go over there and we get to pouring libations. I just want to hear him talk. Right. You know, because if you know Dre, Dre don't talk much unless something he's passionate about, right? And so uh, he gets to talking. He's like, man, he's big. He's physical. He's got a great arm. He said, man, and he was the first person I heard say, man, he's a smart kid. Hmm. And I'm like, what do you mean? He said, dog, look at the defenses he's played against. You know what I'm saying? Look at the guys that are getting drafted out of some of these yeah. defenses that he's that he's been carving up like, like, like Thanksgiving turkey regularly since he's been on the field. You know what I'm saying? And – I was like, dang. He was. I was like, all right. Well, give me the opposite, or tell me, you know, about what's called. He was like, no, he's a smart dude. He said, and Nick Saban vouched for him. Of course, we all vouched for him. He said, but his height concerns me. His size concerns me, and you know, his arm, and technically his arm strength as well. You know what I mean? And he's like, and he told me, he's like, there's no throw C.J. Stroud can't make. You know what I mean? And I was like, dang. And I, and it it didn't dawn on me again when he said that until we watched C.J. off his back foot getting hit in the mouth before Nico Collins comes out of his break and literally put a ball on a dime that normally with anybody else, it might have floated or not had enough power or end up behind the receiver. And and which throw are you talking about? Because he's had about six so zillion of them in Nico this year. There was you can one say that. at home, not the not so not uh Duval, not the last year, but the game before the last game, it was his was it his first game back? I feel like I'm picturing the play because he was being he was near, rushed. He was being rushed. And it looked he like near, he was just throwing it away, he but he knew away, exactly he, where he was exactly. throwing yeah. it. Was, it was close, it was oh, Indianapolis? Inside the 30. It might yeah, when him. Nico came over. Nico yeah, yeah, came yeah. over, ran a little crossing mm-hmm. route. He's getting hit in the mouth on his back foot, and he lets one. I mean, and that thing jumped out his hand like, I mean, like like a shortstop going across the first. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. And he's sitting there looking like. That's a good comparison. You know, he's sitting there looking like, what is going on? And you thinking he's throwing it away or he's made a rookie mistake. Mm. And he's thrown it into coverage, right? And what did we watch? We watched it as soon as Nico got out of his try, out of his break, boom, completion. You know, so um, that you know, and that immediately went back to what he had said. Uh, and then I just go back to Dre talking about the first time. Like so, recently they just started talking about we think we have enough to win the Super Bowl, right? This is what this is what quote said. Dre told me this four weeks ago. He talked to he talked to CJ Stroud. CJ Stroud told him this, mm-hmm. and I'm like, "What?" And I'm sitting there when he said it. I'm like, "Oh man, you know, I I don't even want to bring that up right now." You know what I mean? Like at the same time, but the kid was confident enough to know and confident in 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 who he has around him and who he is to say even say that to you said to Dre. You know, we get excited about stuff like that. You know what I mean? And I believe like this like this kid is. This kid's remarkable. And not to say that Bryce Young won't be. You know what I'm saying? But the funny part is I was telling Dre, I was like, man, in my opinion, Bryce Young is about to be Alex Smith. Mm. You know what I'm saying? And everybody was like, and he and Dre was like, what you mean I said, dude? The same thing happened to Alex Smith. Number one Just pick. Stunted from the beginning. From the beginning. By because, circumstances. Because of circumstances. Because of David Tepper is, has a temper. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and now all of a sudden, guess what? He Okay, his first coach, gone. Now, what do we know about the second coach? We don't know anything about the second coach, but we know if he pisses David Tepper off, he's going to be gone too, right? And we look at Alex Smith. Alex Smith in his first five years had five or six offensive coordinators and three head coaches. Mm. You see what I'm saying? Like, there's no, there's like, that's not a blueprint to be successful. You see what I'm saying? But yeah. but you get a guy 
like a D'Amico is your coach, you know what I'm saying, and you get a guy that gives you great foundation, you know, as far as your quarterback and your coach. And stability. And, and, and stability, you know what I'm saying? The, 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 the most important thing about any home built is what? The foundation, you know what I mean? All right, quick timeout. You mentioned the Super Bowl, and before the Texans can get to the Super Bowl, they have to get through Baltimore. I want to know what scares you most about the Texans' next opponent. This is Texan All Access, second-round playoff edition. Keep it right here. Welcome in. Welcome back. One more segment to go, Texan All Access, and we're getting all the thoughts from Trap J, a.k.a. Travis. I am ND. He is Drew. You and you, you are you, and we appreciate you joining us here at Texan All Access. All right. To get to the Super Bowl, for the Texans anyway, goes through Baltimore. Well, what scares you most about these Ravens? Uh, well, I mean, the elephant in the room is is <laughs> Lamar Jackson. You know, and everybody can say what they want to say, but I mean, in the, the day is is that I think for us to be great, one, I, I think our pass rush right now is on a whole other level. But I think we have to make sure that we stay in our lanes, we close those windows. You know, so it's not going to be easy work. But I think the crazy part is for this, like this team has all the tools to go into Baltimore and hit Baltimore in the mouth. You know what I mean? Like, and that is the thing that I think that propels us to, you know, like Buzz Lightyear to infinity and beyond. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, it'll it'll prepare us for anything because in the day is we go into Baltimore. Baltimore's a hostile environment. You've played in Baltimore. I played in Baltimore. Drew, you've covered some stuff in Baltimore. Texans have never won a game there. They've never won a road playoff hey, game listen, either. Mm. I want you to say that out again because, you know what, I believe in, like, the uh, the, announcer, the announcer gods. Mm-hmm. You know, when they say stuff has never happened, it always happens. Nine-point underdogs, at least at the start of the week. Oh, yeah. well, what, What's your biggest fear? You, you study both teams. When you, when you look at the Ravens, and I don't even know if I like the word fear, but what's one – aspect of this upcoming game that you're like okay the Texans have to succeed here you know you got to keep Lamar Jackson from going all Lamar Jackson on you and that's a very broad statement but I mean he's he's a dynamic guy but I know that in the back of Baltimore fan typical Baltimore fans brain is okay he's he's done it in the regular season this year and he's looked awesome is this going to hold up though because We've seen some problems in the playoffs. Playoffs, exactly. <laughs> I mean, but I mean, I, I'm, I feel really good about this Texans team. They've never been this hot. You've never seen anybody. You, you've never seen a quarterback like this, really, on this team and in general. And the defense is clicking. There's different guys. You can spin the wheel each week, and some some somebody new is making a play, catching the ball. Revan Jordan had a 76 yard touchdown. We haven't seen him do that, and. No. Goodness gracious, that guy's fast. I mean, you just got a, a different playmaker each week in spite of not having Tank Dell. <clears throat> in spite oh, of not man. having Noah Brown, he's done for the year. Wow. So You just bought a – I mean, I, I look back and I'm like, dude, Tank Dell was here, there's no way we're a nine-point underdog. Exactly. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. like there's too many weapons. You got but, they, they, but they said – and they's in air quotes. They said, oh, this this offense going into the Browns game, they're going to have to get the run game going because you just won't have those explosive plays. And what did CJ do? And that, six, and that, seven explosive passes. And that, and that's the thing about having a great quarterback mm-hmm. is that I don't care what you say. All that run, yeah, you got to run the ball, you got to run the ball. Well, guess what? If I got a quarterback that can throw my guy open sometimes, yeah. mm-hmm. it don't matter what my run game looking like. If I can keep you honest with even with two-yard runs – it's going to do the trick because you're going to have to respect it. You and they did that, and the run game was fine. They exactly. just didn't need to run all They just that. didn't need to run. He threw and, 21 passes. And I, I and that's where I think 
that's why I'm more I'm I'm the most excited about is is that I think because of the explosion our offense has and the capability have, I think Baltimore tries to match that with making kind of like, oh, we're gonna pass the ball. Cause you know what? A lot of these coaches in the league, they're they're they like they I don't want to say they're not smart, but like like they buck the system. It's the reason why like it's third and three and you gotten you know, you got four yards on one run, three yards on the other run, and you say, you know what, let's pass the ball. <laughs> right. You see what I'm saying? Like, why? why? You just got four and three. Why not run it again on third down? Yeah, keep taking a profit. Don't exactly. Get cute. Yeah. You know, and I think a lot of these coaches are gonna say, well, man, they they gonna be they gonna be ready for Lamar to run. Let's make him pass the ball. You know what I mean? Like, what? Yeah, we know. I, and 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 don't get it twisted. I'm not one of those guys that say Lamar can't pass. You know what I'm saying? Throw, but, yeah. the, but, but what makes Lamar great is he does both. Yeah. He, do, mm-hmm. he does both very good. You know what I'm saying? Is he great at one? Yes. He's great at when he leaves the pocket. He's Michael Vick reincarnated. You know what I'm saying? And when he stays in the pocket, he's a he's a good quarterback. And I think, but when you limit him on those things, if you say, oh, we're just going to do one and not do the other, I think that's when you, you, you find yourself in trouble. And I'm hoping that's what they do because there have been some Baltimore games that I'm watching and when they're playing another team so I don't have a dog in the fight, yeah. I just want to see a good game where I'll say, man, Lamar, run. <laughs> like, why don't you run? Yeah. But you can tell he's counting and he's like, I have to prove that I'm a pocket and, passer. And I, and, I, and I hope he comes in here trying to prove it. So do I. Just for this one that's game because whole, whole, when he runs, it's scary. It's always scary yeah. because it because at any time – he leaves the pocket. Anytime he leaves, it's he could go all the way. You yes. know what I mean? And you looking like at the same time, I'll take I'll take our back seven. I mean, I'll take our back end and I'll take our front seven over him in the pocket any day of the week. When it when it gets scary is when you're in man to man coverage and your back is to the quarterback. You know what I'm saying? And now all of a sudden it's you know what I'm saying? He he's gone. You know so. I'm super excited about this game. I got us winning this game 27 to 14. Uh, you know, I'm not a predictable guy, but I, I'm the predictor because guess what? I just, I'm so, I'm so, I'm like Jesse Spanos on, on, on Dang Saved by the Bell. I'm so excited. <laughs> I'm so excited. I'm really excited. Too much man. caffeine, right? <laughs> How <laughs> awesome would that be if they go into Baltimore? And not just beat them, but what you're talking about is a beat down 27 14. That that's that's a dominating performance. That, oh man, I would love to be on that plane ride back. Oh no question. I, I got I was I was sitting there thinking like I was talking to a couple guys. I said, man, should we go to Baltimore? But then I'm like, no, nah, because the city's gonna be so electric when they get back. And if if I can't get on the team plane, I don't want to go. Because yeah. you've never you've never won in the second round to get to a yeah. championship. You got to go back all the way to the late seventies. The Houston Oilers, last Houston team to go to an AFC championship. And I know we up against it, but this, you know, this reminds me. Like this Baltimore team reminds me, and even the Texan team right now reminds me of a situation that happened with me when we were in San Diego. Is we got that first round by. We essentially had three weeks off. Mm-hmm. You know, we didn't. We hadn't played any ball because you had thumped people. We had thumped people. Last, we were thirteen yeah. and three, finished yeah. the season, and now guess what? We hadn't played in three weeks by the time we we saw we saw the, uh, the the divisional round, and what happened? A rookie young quarterback by the name of Mark Sanchez and a rookie co- and a rookie coach by the name of Rex Ryan came into San Diego and hit us in the mouth. Wow! <laughs> and guess what happened? They ended up in the AFC Championship while we was at home and in Cancun. That's strong, and that could yeah. be what's going on with Baltimore right now. Yeah. Sometimes you can be off for too long. It, 
It, it definitely too long. Now I will say this: uh, nothing against Rex Ryan, John Harbaugh. I know what type of guy he is. He was with yeah. me in Philadelphia. He's one of those guys. He doesn't read just football. He, he's going to get in their minds and he's going to Jedi mind trick them to get them ready. And they're going to they're going to be a little more prepared uh, for the test. He was he was with y'all in Philly, but how many games outside of bye? Because remember, Andy used to give y'all a whole week off during bye. Okay, how absolutely. many games y'all used to come back and lose after bye? No, we were good after bye. That, that was our thing. No, I'm pretty. Or, yeah, we, go back and look at yeah if you go back, Andy Reid has a, a strong record after the bye. But John Harbaugh's not Andy Reid. And I will say this. I'm with you. I'm feeling confident about the Texans. And that means we'll have another week where I get to do a Texan all-access as we get ready for the AFC Championship. I'm coming back next week. Yeah, absolutely. For <laughs> Drew, for Travis, I'm Indy. This has been Texans All-Access Second Round Edition. Hello, Texans. And here we are. It's Divisional Round Week still going. Tuesday night, Texans All-Access. That means that we just have a big party here getting ready for the divisional round. It's not really a party. It's preparation. That's what it is. Mark Vandermeer and John Harris with you. Johnny, we're all thawed out. We're doing our best. It's great prep for the team. We addressed this Texans Monday right off the bat that the team was going to be able to prepare in cold weather. Good stuff there. You're going to have cold weather Saturday, 20 to 28 degrees. The wind I'm much more worried about. It's 15 to 25 knots out of the northwest in Baltimore. Great sailing weather in the summertime, not so yeah. much in the winter. Well, Annapolis, not far away, and that's a right. sailing hotbed. Oh, okay. I yeah. mean, I knew it probably had pretty good sailing. I mean, that. Oh yeah. That it hotbed. sounds like sounds like Baltimore would be that place. Although I guess it's Baltimore to the. Baltimore. It's like a, it's like a D. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I. I don't even know how to put it in words how excited I am about this one, Mark. Just just with this team, just with the opportunity to play another week. And, and D'Amico said that at some point during his, his uh, post-game speech. Like, hey, we get, to be, we get to be together for another week. And it just feels like this team being around it as much as we are, being around the guys, that it feels like they want for one another as much as they want for themselves. Yeah. And it was really evident with the plays against the Browns. I mean, watching Derek Stingley Jr. get excited, like I get excited on the sidelines for a pick six, to see him get excited like that for, yeah. for Christian Harris was unbelievably cool. There's I just wanted to keep playing. I wanted to keep playing because the one thing we know in the NFL is this iteration of this team will not be the same in 2024. Yeah. A lot of the I, pieces. I don't even want to think about it. I don't even want to right, think about right. it. I'm, that's exactly the same way. I was going to go there, too. The only way mm. that you don't think about that is if you just can th just think about winning. I want as them to stay. going to be. Yeah. Stay together as long as possible. These guys keep this run going. Because even next year, I think next year is going to be really good, by the way. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. But this group, the way they're so young. We've seen teams around here before. We've seen teams go to the divisional round before. It's the fifth time. They're so young for the most part. I know they're not the youngest team in the league mm -hmm. like the Green Bay Packers, and I haven't analyzed the Packers, but we've got a lot of young guys in some really key spots. We all yeah. know this. right? And there's, to use the word innocence is not good in this sense, or naivete or any of that, but there's a newness. How about that? A newness to the whole thing for them, for us, again, because we've never seen a team like this here do these things. Mm -hmm. Now, we've been to the divisional round, but not quite like this. We'll get into that later. I wanted to get into this with you. So, Roberta Flack had a song called The First Time, and I don't want to think about it like that the first time the Texans played the Ravens or Foreigner's 
feels like the first time <laughs> because yeah. I don't want it to feel like that again. Right. But I looked at the first time, like we all have, mm-hmm. and I don't know if it has any bearing at all. Other than this, it was 7-6 at the half. Mm-hmm. You had missed opportunities in the first half. It was pretty interesting that they survived to make it a one-point deficit at the half because there were instances where Baltimore could have really kind of blown it up in the first half but didn't do it. You had the Steven Nelson pick when the Ravens had point-blank range. I think that possession started in Houston territory, but the Texans got out of it. And there they are, 7-6 at the half. Ravens with two third-quarter touchdowns, and that was basically it. Stroud had only played a couple of handfuls of possessions in the preseason or of snaps, not possessions, mm-hmm. snaps yep. in the preseason. So there he is. His first NFL action is in the Ravens' nest, and it was tough. But he held his own. And the following weeks, I mean, by week three, you're winning a game at Jacksonville in lopsided fashion. Then you beat Pittsburgh, and you're off and running, so to speak. But it's an NFL game. I look at that first game. Hey, NFL game, you have opportunities. If you don't convert, if you take a sack on Mm -hmm. third and short or third and five or whatever it is, uh, it's going to be trouble. You fumble, obviously, that's a big problem. He fumbled once, no picks for Stroud in that game. It's not just about Stroud. But... We talked about it with Coach Johnny. They didn't know who they were yet, the Texans. Now, the Ravens didn't quite know who they were either, and they've had some phenomenal performances this year. But you're going to play an NFL game. You're going to have opportunities. They're going to have opportunities. Like Nick Casario would say, it's all about execution at that point. Absolutely. I mean, I think there's there's something to be said for some some familiarity. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that uh, each team is the exact same because, as Nick pointed out, one of the guys that they brought to New England was Kyle Van Oy. So he knows Van Oy very well. Van Oy has been giving them a lot of good pass rush rep, uh, reps off the edge. Clowney was Ugh. a factor in week one, but he's become even more of a factor uh, as they kind of move him around and do some different things. So um, I feel like they're such different teams. I, I, I remember when the schedule came out in, in whatever, May of, of 23. And I remember seeing Baltimore number one, and I just went week one. I thought, okay, I don't mind this. Todd Munkin, it's going to take a little while to get that offense going. We're catching them at the right time. Okay, this is good. When I left Baltimore, and uh, you know, I've told you this, I, I, I had this, I had this weird feeling. Like I feel like we're going to be back here. I, I don't know you what told me that. that. I just had that. this really odd, strange feeling about it. But I also knew in seeing them the next time they were going to be a much more well-oiled machine because say Flowers was going to be even more of the offense. You know, they'll get OBJ going. Uh, it's going to be a little bit different um, as they go through. So there was, there was some of that feeling like, okay, but we've changed as a team too. I think their identity hasn't changed. I think the Ravens have known who they are all along. They're still the same under John Harbaugh, you know? I don't want to say they play bully ball. That's that's really not fair. They're just so damn physical, and yeah. they're so fast. I mean, Patrick Queen and Roquan Smith. My, we got to try and block Roquan Ooh, again. Roquan. God dang it. Oh, I don't like him at I don't all. Wanna, I Jeez, don't want to face good. Roquan again. But he's good. You know what? I'd much rather do it now in a division round playoff game. Yeah. Don't care. Play him in a parking lot. Play him at M&T. Play him here. Don't care. Just go go play because I think this team, our team, now has confidence that we can go toe-to-toe with anybody, anywhere, anytime. And we're going to have to. I thought about this last night, Mark. Mm -hmm. Let me get your thoughts. Why don't you think AFC for a second? Yeah. Seeds one, two, three, four. Mar Jackson, 
Mm -hmm. Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, CJ Stroud. Quarterbacks holding serve. Wow. 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 Yeah. For the top, what, eight in the league? Yeah. For However you seven, want to define six? it. Quarterbacks remaining over in the NFC. Okay. Brock Purdy. Brock Purdy. Jordan Love. Jared Goff. Baker Mayfield. Yeah, that's a little different, isn't it? What if we were in the NFC? Yeah, you'd feel a little bit better about the quarterback matchups, probably. I mean, if we didn't have to play the 49ers right away, you know, who knows? But either way, you gotta play, you gotta you've gotta play what's in front of you, and it's the Ravens that are in front of us. And I do think there's something to be gained from just being on the same field with a healthy Lamar Jackson. Now they might do some different things. But being on the field with a healthy Lamar Jackson so you can see that change of pace, you can see that twitch, you can see how fast he is, that you won't forget. Yep. You at least have that history and well, that memory. Well, they've got the tape. They can look at the tape all week if they want. I yep. know they have to look at recent tape, but they can look at that tape. And there were some Texans who had not quite emerged to be who they are right now right. as far as their roles on the team, like Devin Singletary. Correct. And cold-weather Devin Singletary, he's no stranger to that. I think we make too big a deal out of the cold weather. I'll put that away for now, especially in the running game. I mean, who cares about the wind in the running game? Well, you know who said the most prescient thing about the weather? Uh, Nick Serio. He said, you have to remember you're playing the opponent. And it was yeah. – I, I, I was like – that was brilliant, but nobody ever talks about that. And I just remember all the documentaries I've watched about the ice bowl many, many years ago. I remember my, my dad was there in Green Bay for that, and it was just incredible. Wait, he was at the stadium? Yeah, he was there. He was there that day. He Did was in I college, and he got, a, he got a ticket to go to the ice he bowl. He got a ticket to the ice bowl. I took the ice bowl. And so he was there as a college kid, got his way in. And so, how did um, he feel? Did he dress properly for the yeah, ice Yeah, he was a college student. You're Green Bay. You're, you're, college you're a Wisconsin are. kid. You you're know how college kids are. You're a few pops in. You're okay. <laughs> you're all right. I'm, you're, I'm, yeah, you're good. So, I still can't feel my left foot. Um, but yeah, there were there were plenty of those. There were plenty of those. But one of the things that I remember what they they talked about in a documentary was how the Cowboys are so worried about the weather that it wasn't until the second or third quarter when they realized, hey, we got to play the Packers. Yeah. And you can't get caught up in that. Now, I don't think this is going to be weather in which you you go, oh, my God, it's so, so bad we can't execute. No, I mean, the weather, the wind could be an issue. But you got to remember, you're playing a team in purple. Yeah. You're playing them or black, whatever. And they've got wear. the wind, too. they got to deal with it. Yeah. Everybody's got to deal with it. So uh, you just got to make sure you're playing the Ravens and not getting caught up in, you know, worried about the weather. And, oh, by the way, oh, there goes Lamar for a touchdown because I'm worried about whether I got sleeves on or not. Johnny, how good is this Ravens team maybe compared to 2019 when they had the top overall seed, well, in the AFC anyway? And Lamar Jackson, that was an MVP year. Mm -hmm. Here he is now. He's a little different. This is a different system. And what about the factor, the psychological factor of, hey, the pressure's on the Ravens yep. to hold serve here and perform well as the top seed. They've had two, three weeks off, right? Yep. A couple of games they don't play. They get the bye. Or no, they don't play in one game, the week 18 finale. Right. Then they get the bye. Correct. So is there rust? Is there extra pressure on them? Is there no pressure on the Texans? I can't say there's no pressure on the Texans. They feel whatever they feel because sure. they want to advance just as much as the Ravens do. But what about that part of it with the Ravens? Psychologically, yep. maybe some rust. And the whole aspect of 
all right, now this is an older, wiser Lamar Jackson in a different system, and they've had a phenomenal stretch run here where they've knocked off San Francisco in lopsided fashion. They hung up over 50 on Miami. They had performances like that down the stretch. To that point, I, I, that's it's one of the things that you have to consider for them. The closer the game stays, the more pressure amps up on them the longer the game goes. Mm. So... How can you just keep consistent pressure on them? That, to me, is the biggest thing. And you, what you can't do is, and it seems obvious, but you can't give them the explosives that charge that place up. Yeah. You can't give yeah. them, you know, if you give up first downs and they dink and dunk their way down the field and you can hold in the red zone a, you know, a time or two, then all of a sudden, the pressure, everybody starts feeling it there, yeah. especially if you then go down and you control the ball and you go put touchdowns on the board. And if you get that place feeling tight, like, here we go again, because what's the thing about 2019? Well, here we go again. Yeah. AFC South team coming to our building, should have no shot of beating us, and yet here they are ahead in the game. You get that point in the second half, it gets real dicey for them. And now you just have to kind of keep that consistent pressure, that thumb on them, just keeping it on them, not letting it up, no matter how tough that is. And just keep that consistent. It doesn't have to be like, it just has to be uh, just a consistent pressure on them. And we'll see what they do. Look, there's going to be no J.K. Dobbins. I still think they get plenty in the run game. But I think a big loss for them was Keaton Mitchell. Keaton Mitchell was a guy that could kind of change yeah. things for them because of how fast and quick he was. But they lost him in that Jaguars game. So, they're they're going to throw it probably a little bit more than maybe we expect, but there is going to be this portion of, well, they're going to try and bludgeon us too and just see how we react to that. But if we just don't give up an explosive play at a big time, give them an opportunity like a scoop and score, something like that that just picks up their whole, uh, you know, the, picks up the fans and gets them all amped up, the longer you keep that pressure on them, the tighter they're going to be and the less vocal they'll be and then the better off you can be. So you've got to be efficient. One of the things in that game, uh, as we remember, you know, CJ took a lot of sacks, took him a lot of yeah. the ball out. Against the Browns, the ball came out. Yeah. The ball came out, it's and, not it, and the, the protection was better. So yeah. those things, I think, were, are definitely going to help you. So um, I don't imagine they're thinking that we're the same team. I, Chris Berman on, on primetime, I thought, made a really good point. He said he talked to John Harbaugh after that game, and – he, Berman said he started to talk about the Texans, and Harbaugh cut him off and said, oh, hey, wait a second. They got something with that quarterback. So Harbaugh knew it in week one. Wow. So he's very aware, and I think they're very aware uh, of what C.J. can do to them. How can they not be? Exactly. All they have to do is look at the Absolutely. tape. Absolutely. And they know how good the Browns' defense is. Right. And they saw what just happened. Right. All right. And what happened was kind of – in a way, sort of 49er-ish, right? You had a lot of yak in that game yes, against the Browns, right? Much. You had Nico with the yak touchdown. You had Brevin Jordan with the yak touchdown. And then you had beautiful touchdown run out of Devin Singletary. You had enormously effective throws from C.J. Stroud throughout the course of a game that aren't going to make the Sports Center highlight reel. Uh, the one to Schultz, everybody's highlight reel had that one. Yeah, but there were other that ones. One. That's a good one. That's a good one. That's but, a great and, one. And that's a patented sort of play. And can you get those opportunities? Maybe. I, I'm with you. You can't You can't make the big mistake, obviously, and let the crowd just swell into yep. this tidal wave of momentum for the team. 
I think about division round games and where they went wrong, right? We talked about it on Texans Monday that against the Patriots, you played them in the divisional round twice and you were down 17-13 at the half in each of those games. And the third quarter, it just slipped away. The other team made some big plays. Brock threw a pick in that one. And, boy, the 2012 game, I got to go back and look at what happened in the second half of that one. But I know it wasn't good. That one just completely went spiraled out of control in the second half. I just know that Barrett Rude's name was mentioned a lot. Yeah. Because he was in coverage on Steven Ridley. I think it was Ridley. It's Ridley or Vereen. One of the Vereen was, was a killer. They were both. I should refrain from using that word when I'm describing Patriots' yeah, offensive yeah, yeah. weapons yeah, because he was. Yeah, you're probably right about so, that. So uh, I won't say that. But those were tough, and uh, I think about the first game with the Ravens. Hey, the first game with the Ravens, that defense was so good for the Houston Texans, yep. number two in the league, and a legit number two, just. Stopping defense, just stop after stop after stop. And J.J. Watt and Brooks Reed in the postseason, sack city. But when you turn it over four times, the Jacoby Jones muffed punt. You cannot have that, oh. obviously. The Jacoby Jones muffed muff punt in that game. And then Yates throwing the three picks and obviously forgiven because he's a rookie. But this is a different rookie. This is a different rookie who doesn't throw interceptions. And you have to continue that wave of not throwing interceptions, hang out, hang around, and make the big plays. You know, you got to make the big plays when they're there or at least make the little plays. Look at these games. I'm watching Pittsburgh and Buffalo, and it looks like Buffalo's going to run away with this thing. Right. And Pittsburgh's got a legit shot to win this it, game. Yeah, it's 24-17, and you're like, and I was texting you guys like, all right, hello, Baltimore. Like two minutes into the game, I'm like, hello, Baltimore. I guess that's where we're going. And it's 24-17, and there was... They can be had. Buffalo can be had. Buffalo can be had. KC can be had. Uh, you know, I think Baltimore of the three is is the toughest. But, you know, keep in mind, Colts went in there and beat them. The Browns yeah. went in there and beat them at their stadium. Now, you brought it up about rest versus rust, et cetera. Before we get there, because you, you brought it up, it made me think about it, so I pulled it up. How about in that playoff game? Both of them. In that playoff game against the Patriots... January 13th, 2013. Yeah. Man, that was 11 years ago. Yeah. Good Lord, we're old. Um, Steve Ridley had 82 yards rushing and a touchdown. Uh-huh. Average 5.5 a carry. Shane Vereen, seven rushes, 41 yards, and a rushing touchdown. Receiving. Five catches, 83 yards, yeah, there and it is. two receiving touchdowns. Wheel routes, just torching them. <laughs> torching. That's why the name Barrett Root came up, because he was yeah. stuck on, on yeah. Vereen. Yeah. Ridley and Vereen. I mean, two guys that... That, I think, is the, the greatness back then of those Patriots teams. Like, Brady could take a R- Ridley and Vereen. It was like Brady could go to a chop basket on Food Network and go, all right, what do I got? Well, you got a Ridley and a Vereen. All right, I can make it work. Yeah, yeah, and exactly. It made, and it you made got it work. halfway through his career, his long career, <laughs> Brady sees that. Okay, I know where we're going with the football. Yeah. And well, I remember, you know what I remember about those two games the Texans played against them? The Texans couldn't deal with the quick snap. With, yes. with the Patriots yep, making yep. a long play, mm-hmm. running downfield, and not only would they quick snap. One thing that O'Brien did a lot was hand off after those situations. Right, right. Brady goes right back to the air. Oh, did you like that? How about some of this? <laughs> and then all of a sudden you got a linebacker wide open because the Texans D yep. cannot adjust quickly enough. And I was really disappointed that the second time they faced them, 
they didn't adjust well for those things. You know yep. they're going to do it. Yep. And they just weren't ready. And I think a lot of it had to do with injured personnel and things like that. And the team lost Brian Cushing. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And then you already were without D'Amico Ryans because that was the first year without D'Amico. Right. So there you were with linebackers like Brady James and Barrett Root and whoever else you could find. Uh, they were just trying to piece it together at the end there, personnel-wise. Yeah, I think that's actually one of the bigger keys in this game. Uh, I can't remember who I was talking to um, in the building, and they were just kind of picking my brain about it. And they were like, who, who, are your, who are your keys? What are your keys? And I said, Christian Harris and Blake Cashman. Yeah. I feel like against a team like the Ravens, the linebackers are put in so many different precarious positions. Mm. And if there is a position on this team that has gotten so much better, not only from week one of this year, but from last year. I watched the linebackers last year, especially the first half of the year, and was like, what are we doing? What are we doing? I mean, you you would hear it in your ear half the time. Like, there'd be this run, and there's a linebacker running the opposite way of where the running back is running. And I'm like, what are we doing? I wanted to put it on a T-shirt. This year, I'm watching Blake Cashman, Christian Harris, Denzel Perryman, and they're rotating. Sometimes they're all three in there. Sometimes it's two of them. And I'm watching those three guys, and I'm like, this is a completely, completely different defense because of what those guys can do, the speed. you got a journeyman, as you as you would classify him, in Blake Cashman. Now, he would never have been a journeyman had he been healthy. The Jets would have had an, a linebacker they could have relied on if he could have stayed healthy. And this year, he stayed relatively healthy, knock on wood. And his speed... His understanding and Christian Harris, you you mentioned it during a during a break, or you you asked uh, Dre during a game I can't remember, and you're like, why are the Browns not getting explosives? What is going on? And so I haven't gone all the way back through the All 22. You can see everything, but I'm watching, and there's something that this defense demands of its linebackers, and it's it's called a robot technique: roll over and back. So. A lot of times with play action, what do you get? You get this deep crosser. You get that sure. long, that long, deep over route. Well, there are some times where that has to be the linebacker's play. So the linebacker has to read run and then, nope, not run, and then, quote, unquote, robot back, roll over and back, and run with that guy down the seam. And so it was early in the game, and they ran that, and I don't remember who the receiver was, but it was a receiver. Christian Harris robots into the hip of the receiver and runs with him 40 yards downfield. Hip so to Flacco hip. won't throw it. And Flacco's not going to throw it. He takes the check down. Yeah. That's incredible. That's Fred Warner type stuff. Now, I'm not putting Christian Harris on Fred Warner. But who coached Fred Warner on Christian Harris? Exactly. Exactly. And so to see Christian take those steps and to know Blake's got that in him too. The linebackers, to me, uh, end up being key in this game, I think, against Baltimore. And Cashman didn't play. And Cashman didn't play. And Christian was not – Christian in week one was not the Christian Harris yeah. he is this now. This is a different a player. Different dude. It's not like, you know, Patrick Queen week one, Patrick Queen now, if he's yep. healthy, is still Patrick Queen. That's the same Patrick Queen. Yep. Christian Harris week one this year versus Christian Harris now, different Christian Harris. Mm-hmm. We're dealing with a, a maturation process, just like Stroud – like a lot of the young players. Mm-hmm. I mean, Juice was unavailable in that game. Juice is playing on the O-line now, yep. obviously. What else do you have? Want to hear some other differences? I mean, this takes you back, okay? 
So Eric Murray started that game because That's the right. safeties, Jimmy, you know, Jimmy, was hurt. Jimmy was hurt, right? Mm-hmm. So now it's, look, I'd still love to have Eric Murray on this team. I think he could help in the back end, but you know what you have here. And Kareem's going to be here. I mean, this is wild. Yeah. Um, it's wild that Kareem played. Well, no, he didn't play in the last divisional game, but he played uh, in 2018 in the postseason. Yep. Tavier Thomas started at nickel. Mm-hmm. Well, now you have Desmond King you back. You have Desmond King on the roster. He was on the, he Steelers. Was on the Steelers roster. He was on the Steelers then. <laughs> uh, so it was Perriman and Harris at linebacker. And you still had Will Anderson. Jonathan Grenard had a sack early in that game. Big sack. Very nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, but a lot of differences. I mean, you had Dylan Horton coming off the sideline. Right. Johnny, I can't wait for next year. Dylan Horton's going to be back. I know. He would be helping this team I right know. now. I know. Pass rushing. Corey Littleton played in that game. Yep. I mean, it's just Mike Boone. I mean, guys who aren't here anymore. Zetner was punting for you yeah, and then later would Titan punt now. against you for the Titans. <laughs> you know, it's just weird stuff. Yeah. That's how long these seasons are. Shaquille Griffin was the first man off the sideline as a sub in yep. that first matchup with the Baltimore Ravens. And I think just... The Texans are so much better now. You could say the Ravens are better now, too, but they're different. Texans are very different. They've matured. This is a different team you're facing now, Baltimore. I know they're the top seed for a reason. If this was the if this was the NCAA tournament, you'd say Baltimore's the top overall seed in the tournament. Yes. And that's what they are in yes. this Super Bowl tournament. There's right. no question about it. That's who they are. That's what they are. But they are not unbeatable. And it's up to you to figure out a way to get it done. It's so interesting to look at the differences from week one to to week to right now. And I mean, key players that are making plays, like you said, Desmond King, different roster, Derek Barnett, uh, my J Sanders, those guys are all on different teams and they're all playing significant roles for you in this, in this defense. Um, you know, Tier Tart, he was inactive last week, but um, you know, was a Titan up until week 15. I mean, all the, I mean, DHC, DHC wasn't. Even, I don't even think he was with us in week one. I don't, I don't think. think so. He was with us and not with us. The they're with us week. again, right? Yeah, exactly. I think it was the next week. So, um, yeah, it, it's it's fascinating how things change over how many ever weeks this has been. Um, but you got to take what you have, and I think I think identity is one of those things. I think the Texans have found found their identity, and I think when the defense when the defense communicates well. And everybody is is on it. Like we're communicating well, and they're tackling well. Boy, it's become a it's become a fun group to watch. All right, it's a fun group to watch. Coming up, read and react. We will read what happened to these playoff games on Monday. React to them. Go over the field. More about the Texans versus the Ravens a bit later on. Dig into the differences between this team and other teams that have ventured into the divisional round. It's Texans Radio. Mark Vandermeer and John Harris with you on Texans All Access. Okay, Johnny, a lot of things going on. The Buffalo Bills took care of the Pittsburgh Steelers, so they entertained the Chiefs. We were rooting for Pittsburgh, wanted to go to Kansas City, rooting for Pittsburgh for a variety of reasons. I'm not saying it's easier to bump off Kansas City than the Ravens. Who knows? Depends on how the game goes. Maybe it is. Maybe it's not. Maybe the Swifties get you. Maybe they get the calls. I don't know. But that would have given you a chance to host, possibly, yep. an AFC championship right. game because Pittsburgh would have gone to Baltimore. You know that they're not scared of Baltimore. Uh, and I thought Pittsburgh, even though it started out so badly for them, they hung in there. They hung in there, and they were able to make it a threat at the end. The other game, I want to get into this a little bit because the psychology of it just – how it's playing out with all the aftermath, all the post-game chatter. 
Philadelphia looking Ooh. horrible against Tampa Bay, Ooh. a team that the Texans took care of late with the Stroud to Tank Dell touchdown pass after Mayfield got the lead late in that game. I mean, Mayfield played well in that final yep. drive. I mean, here they are. They should really be able to close it out right against most teams, mm -hmm. but not so fast, my friend, as Lee Corso would say with C.J. Stroud finding Tank Dell for the game winner. But I saw your tweet, Philadelphia, broken, broken. team. Interesting how some teams this time of year come together, mm -hmm. galvanize. Some teams break apart. They've been breaking apart for weeks now. Absolutely. And I think there were a number of factors. Uh, this one's kind of a, kind of an in interesting, kind of funny one, but it's it maybe it's telling. But in that game against the Niners, it was 21-13, and there was a dust-up on the sideline. And their security guy, the guy they love, Big Dom, yeah, he gets in that dust up with Trey Greenlaw. And basically, he was trying to get Greenlaw off of one of the Eagles players. And they kept him off the sideline for the rest of the year, starting in that game. Well, after he gets tossed, the Niners go on a 21 nothing run and just blow them out. And it's like, whoa. That was kind of the first time you kind of stood up and went, okay, they were the Eagles were finding a way. They found a way to beat Kansas City on a Monday night. They found a way to beat Buffalo at home. They were finding a way to win games. They are like, ah, you know, a championship team, veterans. They're turning it on when they need to. They're winning these games in the fourth quarter, yada, yada, yada. But yet there were cracks. And when, at, when the 49ers came in and just kicked them around, like it was like, wow. They never responded. And then you started hearing some rumblings about, man, things in the locker room aren't that great. You know, there's some sniping with some stuff. But one of the main things that I saw on Monday night against the Bucks was how old they looked. Yeah. A team can go from experience to old very quickly. Just because the names are famous. Right. Sometimes that's not always a good thing. Absolutely. And I, that's just watching them like, whoa. When David Moore is zipping through your secondary and nobody can touch him. He's quick, though. He's quick. <laughs> I don't, don't get me wrong. But they'd already missed a couple of tackles. Yeah, yeah, they were missing tackles left and right. And that that was a psychological yes, rebellion, if you ask me. Pretty much, absolutely. So from that that perspective, like, wow, this is really tough to watch. I mean, if you're an Eagles fan, but to me, the coup de grace was when they couldn't get the brotherly shove to go in from the one yard yeah, line, yeah. and the Bucks stop them. And the Bucks are the toughest team to run it against, I think, because they got Vita Vea and they got Greg Gaines. I mean, that's like 700 pounds mm -hmm. as you're trying to move. And Kelsey's not a big guy. Kelsey gets away with a lot of times because he gets leverage and he just kind of burrows underneath everybody. And, of course, Jalen squats 600 pounds. But, but Jalen's broken, too. And, I mean, that, that was physically. His hand was hurt. Ankle was hurt. I bet there's a lot more wrong with Jalen than we knew. Injury-wise, yes. Yeah. But and mentally, they didn't seem all on the same page. I mean, Dallas Goddard. It just felt what like, was that? I don't know. I know he was open on the previous play. Yeah. And Hertz didn't look for him. Right. Was, was that fourth down? Yeah, I think it was. It was, it was third or fourth. Yeah, he threw that one and, and it was just outside of Goddard's yeah. reach or whatever. Fourth yeah. down. Well, I thought he threw it downfield. Goddard was kind of oh, cutting yeah, across. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And you've got to figure out a better play mm -hmm. on fourth down than that. Absolutely. You can't be well, doing a low percentage option on fourth and whatever. That's where the Texans kind of come back into this because I I took for granted how valuable Shane Steichen was for the Eagles offense in 2022 in particular. Mm. 2021 as well. 2021 was when they kind of crafted that offense around Jalen and what he could do. 2022, they took it to a whole different level. They get A.J. Brown, and it's like, oh, wow. Go to the Super wow. Bowl. They stayed healthy for the most part, and, boy, they go to the Super Bowl. They look really, really good. Steichen takes the Colts job, and all of a sudden the Colts offense 
looks a lot like the Eagles offense. Right. And the Eagles offense doesn't look anything like what it was. Now, I think Brian Johnson's going to end up being a good offensive coordinator. But it's one of those things where it was really, really, really successful doing it this way. So I guarantee there's a lot of pressure to do it that way. And maybe Johnson's not that comfortable. And there's a rhythm there. Every offensive coordinator is just different. Even you could be running the same thing. And I think that's why when Bobby Slowick came here, but it's like, oh, yeah, 49er stuff. There are some 49er elements in this offense, but Bobby's starting to make it his, which I think is is fascinating to watch. And he's got a different rhyme and rhythm uh, to his um, – to the way he does things and the play calls and when he calls things. That's what every offensive coordinator has to find. I don't think Brian Johnson ever got there with the Eagles. Yeah. And Steichen, I think, showed how valuable he was. They truly became broken to me when they took the defensive coordinator play calling away from Sean Desai and gave it to Matt Patricia. And that's when I went, they're done. It's They're done. <laughs> that's a tough done. look. Done it's so. a tough look because we all saw Patricia on the sidelines with Detroit unable to get it done then we saw him again with the patriots as an offensive coordinator sort of unable to get it done now as a defensive coordinator in new england got it done right but guess who's overseeing that let's see belichick overseeing a coordinator coordinating and orchestrating a defense versus nick sirianni down the hall how's it going with the d matt how's it going I, I'm not. I don't want to, you know, belittle Sirianni this I way. Know. I guess I just did. But you get my drift here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We're talking about Belichick. It's different. Here's the decision the Eagles have to make. I think it's a decision a lot of teams have to make. Even teams that lost in the playoffs. Harbaugh, Belichick, those two. I know I'm probably missing. Uh, yeah, I mean, even Pete Carroll. Is your coach right now mm-hmm. with your playoff team in particular better than what Bill Belichick could do for you? Or what Jim Harbaugh? Oh, I totally get you. this. I totally get this. You bring those guys into a situation where the roster's loaded or loaded enough. Apparently, does that get it done? Does that change things? By the way, one item from last night: seeing the Falcons tweet, we interviewed oh, yeah. Bill Belichick. Now every team does stuff like this. We were doing it, searching for head mm-hmm. coaches. We interviewed Ijero Avero or whoever else. All the interviews that took place, great, great, great. But to see with Belichick, I thought it was NFL memes. I thought it was a parody Mm -hmm. account for a moment. It didn't look right. Belichick being interviewed by the Falcons. And the comments were hilarious. Like, no, he interviewed you. Or the interview took 28 minutes and three seconds. I get it. I get it. But that kind of stuff is really funny. With Bill Belichick on the market, shopping his services around the league. And, yeah, if you do have a loaded roster, you're looking at your coach. Hey, uh, thanks a lot for everything, but I got the greatest coach ever, maybe, over here, and he right. can step right in. Yeah, and I mean, like you said, is there is it a guarantee of success? No, but when handed a pretty talented roster and a quarterback with a pulse, uh, Belichick has done some things. Yeah, he has, uh, but but let me ask you this. You you own the team, right? Own which team? You own, a, you own let's say, the Cowboys. I'm giving you the oh, Cowboys. Oh, God. And, and you've decided that you're going to move on from Mike McCarthy. Let's just go there for a Mm -hmm. moment. And Bill Belichick is being interviewed by you. I know what questions you have because you feel like, am I disrespecting him if I question some of the moves he might make and the people he might bring into the building? Yeah. Are you bringing in Matt Patricia? Right. Are you bringing... Now, I like Josh McDaniels as an offensive coordinator, but what else are you doing that might not have worked before? So... 
at the same time that you want him, you also have some questions about how he's going to handle things because it didn't go well in New England the, the last few years overall. I know he went to the playoffs with Mac Jones once, but you get what I'm saying. One of the things I heard Belichick say, and this would be one of the things that as an owner I would want to know. Like I heard Belichick say, you know what, I, I've been in this so long, I just want people around me, coaches mostly, um, that I enjoy coaching with. And that's like we all do to a certain degree, but to win in the league, if you're going to bypass a good coach that you don't know how he would mesh with you Mm -hmm. because you're going to go with a coach that you're just accustomed to and used to, well, you may, you know, you may end up flaming out. Whereas, you know what? Hey, this offense coordinator, maybe you've never known him, but he's a good young coach. Maybe it's you take a chance on him. That, to me, would be the question as an owner. I would say, look, I know you've had a lot of people that have worked for you over all these years, and you got very comfortable with people you had around you, especially in New England. How would you feel about shaking up your staff a little bit and bringing in some younger staff members that can build and grow under your leadership? I think a tough one would be, maybe, would you bring Josh McDaniels back? Because to me, Josh McDaniels is one hell of an offense coordinator. Right. He's a really good offensive coordinator, whether Tom Brady was in there or not. Right. Josh McDaniels proved he could call plays and be very, very successful. So if you thought about the Cowboys with Bill Belichick and Josh McDaniels as the offensive coordinator, to start, start right. there. And you start with that, man. Now, will they both walk in and go, hey, Dak's not our guy? Uh, and that's going to be... Well, that's another ooh. question in the interview. Right. Can you win with Dak Prescott? Right. And not, I, only, not only can you win, how will you win with Dak? What is it, and how will you win with Dak? I know this is not Cowboys all-access, but I feel like you've got to be able to win with Dak Prescott, considering what he does do mm-hmm. for much of the time, right. which is execute, throw touchdown passes, win football games. They've won a lot of games there. It's just that when they get to the moment of truth... Eh, doesn't go so well. And guess what? When did they win a playoff game most recently? On the road last year. I think for some reason, playing in that building, what have yeah. I always said about that building? I know they've they won all the games at home there this year, and it goes back to last year, the streak they had prior to the postseason right. loss. But when they get home, I, I, I don't like that home field advantage for them. Yeah. I, I just don't like it. And in the postseason, there's just something about it. Well, something goes a- wrong. Even at Texas Stadium, it was like that with Romo. We talked about the Ravens a little while ago. And the Ravens, they've won playoff games. They've won Super Bowls. They've done all that. But the most recent playoff situation for the Ravens was at home in 2019. Well, I take it back. They went on the road in 2021 and beat the Titans. Titans. About 2020 or 2021. It was 2020. They beat the Titans in the COVID year. Oh, the next year. Yeah. The next year was when the Titans lost to the Bengals. So, oh, yeah, the Bengals knocked them off as the top seed. Right. So this is the first time back in the playoffs for the Ravens since 2021, 20, since yeah, COVID? Well, no, they made it last year. With oh, Huntley. that's right. They lost to the Bengals. They're, I mean, they make it a lot. They just don't win a lot. But this is, the, this is the first home game for the Ravens, first home playoff game for the Ravens since? 2019. Since the Titans beat them. Derrick Henry. That, yeah. So that's going to be fresh on the mind of everybody. And I think that also goes to Dallas. Like those fans walk in there like, Oh no, here we go again. And then when green Bay lands major blows early seven, nothing 14, nothing 21, nothing. Now you feel that you feel that whole building just. Yeah. Just tight. 
the air and gets they, sucked you play out that of way. it. And that's kind of the way the Texans have got to you know play the Ravens. You can't play tight. Um, you know you're not supposed to be there or whatever you want to say, um, and you just rock. You just you just play. You let them deal with the pressure. All right, one more segment here. Uh, how does this divisional round visit? And I hope it's a quick visit. You go right through it into the next round. How does it compare with other visits? We'll get to that. It's Texans Radio. Final segment on the show tonight. Mark Vandermeer and John Harris with you. All right, Johnny, quick look. And I know we can dive deeper into this, but this time feels like the first time. I'm not going to go foreigner like I did at the beginning of the show. Uh, it feels like 2011 in the freshness of it in a way. Yeah. That was the first time you ever went, and it felt great, and it was a great team except for you were playing a rookie quarterback who's not this rookie quarterback. Right. And I don't want to take anything away from T.J. Yates, Texans legend. They should build a statue. I love T.J. Yates. Oh. But we all knew that it was going to be tough, and it was tough, and you were mm -hmm. facing a Ravens team that was in the middle of a tremendous run of a lot of playoff wins and then finally broke through to win a Super Bowl the following year. So they weren't able to get that done. I said this before. I feel like this is the best shot heading into the game. Heading into the divisional round game, obviously yep. twenty-four nothing is your best shot. But heading in, I feel like, hey, this bunch of Texans—they're good to go. They're young. They're energetic. They got a great young quarterback. They've got a lot of other really cool things going for them on the defensive side of the ball as well, where they're causing turnovers, playing loose, free. They feel like they not are invincible, but they can do what they are setting out to do, which is. Keep advancing every mm -hmm. week. Keep playing. I feel that good about this. Yeah, and you know would have who would have the least issue with you with you saying T.J. Yates is not C.J. Stroud. T.J. Yates. T.J. Yates. Yeah. T.J. understands. I mean, yeah. we've talked to T.J. about that uh, for a while. He under, he understands. You know, as a rookie, that's a that's a tough go. Yeah, I mean, you're, tough. you're looking across. You're seeing what Ray Lewis, Ed Reed. You know, and you're a rookie, and you're <laughs> he like, had to oh, face Ray Lewis and oh Ed my, Reed. Like, you're looking at start the years with a third quarterback. I mean, was he even? I don't even. Haloti Nada. Yeah. Oh, oh, <laughs> that's his. That I mean, you face the Bengals. Okay, that's one thing. But now you're on the road. Now you face those guys. And you know, TJ made a couple of plays in that game, but obviously the three interceptions were killers. But Jacoby Jones dribbling the ball off his forehead after you had taken a lead early in that game. Mm. Gone down, taking the lead early, like good, good drive. Like man, you you landing that first punch, you cut the Russian, and then all of a sudden you just, yeah. And then it snowballs, and now you're trudging uphill the rest of the time, and now they can just kind of keep you at bay. The pressure is not really on them at that point; it's on you to just chip away at that that lead and get back in the game and see if you can get it back to a one possession deficit. That's what the Texans hopefully can flip. That's hopefully they can be the one kind of pawn at them like hey we got the lead you know it's a three-point lead it's a ten-point lead it's a six-point lead it's this and you could just keep them at bay but the pressure just keeps mounting the longer that they trail you know what i was thinking about this morning that game in 2011 came out of that game feeling great about the season that was mm -hmm. because it was an unprecedented season but also everybody was saying it we got to play this game at home we got to yeah, have yeah, yeah, home yeah. field yep. for this round for all the rounds if you can but when you go on the road, obviously, you take all those road risks, mm -hmm. and more often than not, you're in a cold-weather environment, whatever that entails. 
got to play at home. So the whole next year, the battle cry was home field, home field, home field. And then when they didn't get it, losing three out of four down the stretch, it was bummer city. Right. Going to that postseason, I give Kubiak all the credit in the world after the meltdown because the first thing he said in the post game after losing to the Colts, the last game of the regular season was, I'm excited. This is the postseason. He had to get his team together real quick, yep. short week, play Saturday, and take on a Bengals team that was even better than the one they faced a year before, and they beat them yep. in a playoff game, which no one was really impressed with at the time right. because of having blown three out mm -hmm. of the last four and home field advantage throughout. But just getting over that, I thought, was a big hurdle to right the ship. But then they went to New England and got their doors blown off in the second half after trailing only by four at the break. And I think mentality, mentality going into a game, when I think about, when I think about the the obviously 16 and 19 for me are the are the two division round games. I missed 11 and 12. It felt like 2011 was you know, it's the first time in this thing eyes are wide open. However, we have a rookie quarterback that's only started a handful of games at the end of the year, still kind of a real, real wild card as to what he'll do. And unfortunately, against Baltimore, you know, you saw TJ throw three interceptions. 2012, I felt like that team was tired, fatigued, exhausted, beat down, broken a little bit mm -hmm. after that, Miami, that New England game, you know, the letter jackets, all that. And then obviously you saw that kind of manifest itself maybe the next year in 2013. 2016, when we went up to New England, I remember thinking, this defense is on it. Yeah, I'm excited to watch it. And they were. And they were. And they were incredible that night. It's just, okay, Brock is going back in a quarterback. Do we really trust this? Mm -hmm. That that was kind of my feeling. Like, I'm Through excited. Through the touchdown it. pass to who in the Fedorowitz. first? Fedorowitz. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then it was like, Clowny. Will dropped that deep ball. Actually, the best ball I ever saw Brock throw was that deep ball that Brock or that uh, Will dropped going into the end zone to uh, our right. Here's what can't happen in this game. That, that, that. or... In 2012, Daniel Manning almost goes all the way for a touchdown on the kickoff return to open the game. Right. You've got a first and goal, mm -hmm. and you end up with a field goal. Correct. James Casey dropped the touchdown pass. Yep. Love James, but not a good moment right there. And that was bummer city. Got to be able to convert those opportunities. Mm -hmm. You're on the road. You're an underdog. This game, I can't believe the line in this coming game with the Ravens. I can't believe it. You cannot afford to make mistakes like that. Correct. I mean, if you do, you got to rebound obviously bounce back face adversity deal with it but if the opportunity presents itself must take advantage in week one how many touchdowns did we score uh week one yep against the ravens how many touchdowns did we score zero right correct it was fairbairn city bingo that's the whole point you just said it you can't put a 10 play drive 70 yards you get down to the five but you can't score yeah, you've yeah. got to now. Yeah. There's a point in the game in which points, yeah, you more, the you know, points. You kind of pile them up, right. but you've got to put touchdowns uh, up on the board because these guys are going to score touchdowns. They're going to score touchdowns uh, with Isaiah Likely and Mark Andrews down in the red zone, um, which I'm assuming Andrews is going to play. They just have enough ways to beat you down in the red zone. They're going to score touchdowns. So when you get in range, you better score touchdowns. I Absolutely think those guys should rest up for the offseason. Absolutely. Cancun Lamar. trip, need you healthy. Absolutely. Got the, to. Is there, was there a boat trip to Cabo or something <laughs> last week with these guys? Anything from Miami? Nothing? Oh, I no? hope. I got a feeling OBJ maybe learned his lesson. No, maybe. Yeah, I OBJ know. was maybe. part of that Giants photo, right? <laughs> they removed that curse last year, beating the Vikings in Minnesota in the yeah, postseason. They did. There, no Jessica Simpson, no nothing, huh? Yep. Darn it. Darn it. Nothing to take them down, seemingly. 
seemingly, except for the Houston Texans. And, you know, I think, you know, the mentality of this team going in, and, you know, of course, the last division round playoff game we went was just, you know, chock full of errors, you know, after 24 nothing. Yeah. And oh, chock full. I mean, the Chiefs maybe would have gotten back in against that defense that day. Yeah. Maybe. But you can't hand it to them on a platter. You can't be up 24 to nothing starting the second quarter and be down 28 24 to halftime. Yeah, that's. You can't. I laugh out of pain uh, because if I didn't, I'd cry. So yeah, my son you, asked me, like, didn't you feel like you're, you're only down four at the half? I said, that wasn't the feeling. Trust me. That was <laughs> not the feeling of, oh, you're only down four. The feeling was, this is hopeless because you were up 24 to nothing and you just allowed four consecutive touchdowns. And yep. good night, everybody. All right. Speaking of good night, everybody, Johnny Harris comes up with Texans matchup. So it's not time to say good night. It's time to listen to that program and if you're listening to this podcast it's in podcast form on the texans app and houstontexans.com and full show wednesday john mechie is going to be a guest on the program nick casario his wednesday visit it is a loaded program to further prepare you for the texans and ravens on saturday have a great night go texans